on the block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket. Happy Wednesday, everybody out there. You can see Strick vibing if you look at our uh, our, our streamline here. The Sardar Heyman Jewelers video stream, uh, which can obviously can be found on YouTube or Facebook or or, or Switch or Stitch. I, I always forget. I'm not very good with streaming. Yeah, say that one more. Niche or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Twitch. Twitch, Twitch, Twitch. That's got, what it is. Got, yeah. yeah, man. Twitch. I sound like I sound older than I even am. I can't even remember all the streaming services <laughs> that I don't use. No, I use YouTube you got myself. Slipknotted. You got Slipknotted. <laughs> yeah. You still ain't recovered. Yeah, my ears. My wife's. We went to the Slipknot concert. <laughs> My wife had no clue what that was going to be, uh, so that was kind of fun to surprise her. But uh, her ears were ringing for quite a bit some time afterwards. But uh, I think we've recovered now. I just, it's, uh, I can't blame it on that. I'm just, I'm just not a, I'm an old young man, I suppose, is what we'll go with. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and bring in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald coming here on the Hot of Lake and Hotline four zero two four six four or four six four five six eight five. Evan, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on? I like Switch or Stitch. I mean, I think that's a maybe <laughs> yeah. you're getting something started here. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I, I think we could get our own streaming service going uh, and, uh, and maybe make some money <laughs> off it. I like it. Uh, how disappointed were you in the weather today? It obviously caused Nebraska not to be able to play. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always the risk. You run in the Midwest in March. I mean, what, we had 70-degree days a few weeks ago, and now it's cold and sort of sleeting-ish. So, you know, it – it's always something you expect when you look at the schedule every year. You say, okay, it's 56 games on the schedule. How many of those are going to get wiped out due to weather? And this is a casualty of one of those. Um, you know, it's probably a mixed bag, though, if you're Nebraska, where on the one hand you really want to get rid of that taste of Sunday's blowout loss to Corpus Christi. But, you know, I think maybe more so it's it's almost beneficial that these guys, after having played seven games in eight days, get the week to rest up for really what amounts to the biggest series of their season to this point with Michigan, because all the, for all the, the struggles and the non-conference failures that Nebraska's had, it's, it's uh, a lot of it can be forgiven if they can win a series this weekend and compete in the league. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, one game against South Dakota state, which is not a very good team probably can hurt you more than it can help you. And as much as they want to play, I think big picture, it's really not a big deal. If you're looking at the, this Michigan series, and, and sometimes we kind of have to reset, I know they went to the College World Series a few years ago, um, so you would think of one of the better baseball pro- programs in the Big Ten. Are they are they expected to be that? Is this a, a you know a prime contender for Nebraska atop the league? Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think when you look at the Big Ten in general, it's still feeling some effects of not just the pandemic year, but the, the league-only year that they had. Like, you think about it, Every other league, every other power league other than the Big Ten last year was playing non-conference, but more more importantly, they were playing midweek games. And so when you do that, you're allowing kind of that next wave of of your pitchers to get game experience, to develop. Well, the Big Ten's feeling that right now. You look around the league, there are teams everywhere that are replacing major parts of their weekend rotation. And the the two notable exceptions to that are Maryland and Michigan. And it's no coincidence that those two teams, uh, in my opinion, are the strong favorites to, to win the league and to qualify for the postseason. So 
you look at what Michigan's done, they've, they've played the hardest non-conference schedule in the league, so their record doesn't necessarily jump out at you. But, you know, they played Vanderbilt within a run. They should have beaten Texas Tech, which was a top-15 team at the time, and lost it in the ninth. And you just kind of look at what they do well. They're not going to beat themselves. They're a strong fielding team. They score runs in bunches uh, with a bunch of athletic hitters. And really what looked like maybe their strength going into the year from the pitching side hasn't necessarily materialized yet. So uh, it's a team, I think, that, that has all the makings of, of being a contender along with Maryland. And so, again, if you're Nebraska and you are able to win this series, I, I think a lot can be sort of forgiven. And it sets up the Huskers really not unlike last year where it's like, OK, it's, it's a league schedule and you have to win Big Ten games to get where you want to go. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if they – continue to struggle if they continue to beat themselves and they get swept or or don't look good at home um you know i think that tells you too where nebraska stands in the pecking order as they get into big 10 play so evan it's always good to hear from you thanks for joining us today on the block listen um wanted to uh just get your thoughts and 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 uh, your perspective on husker football and how you feel about the return did they return with some energy that you're you're hearing about what are some names that are popping out at you uh, what are some of the things that the coaching staff are saying about certain players that are kind of raising their eyebrows about? Uh, obviously, we're hearing the same thing about some of them and just some of the things that they're doing uh, in the spring in preparation for the spring game that that's that's, you know, bringing bringing some life to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're we're kind of at that point in spring ball where you've got the the headliners sort of out of the way, so to speak. I mean, we talked to the quarterbacks a couple of weeks ago. That was really interesting. We've heard from, uh, you know, a number of the high-profile defenders. And so coming off of that spring break week, it's always interesting to see kind of who comes out and talks and, and what you learn. And I thought yesterday's um, media availability was interesting because it was a number of guys that we haven't spoken with much. I mean, Phelan Stanford was there. He was, he was a special teams guy who uh, was their special teams player of the year last year, who tested really highly in their performance index training. And so we got his perspective on what Bill Bush has meant to the special teams room. We heard from guys like uh, Brian Buscini, the, the transfer punter, who by all accounts is uh, really been impressive and, and will be an upgrade for them in that area. We heard from guys like Alante Brown, who uh, was a highly recruited kid a couple of years ago and just hasn't necessarily found that role yet, but it sounds like maybe he's trending in that direction a little bit more now. So a lot of it's hearing from guys like that. A lot of it is sort of, you know, reading between the lines about things that might change. I'm always interested to hear from some of the new coaches and Mickey Joseph uh, in the receiver room is, is always a fascinating guy to listen to. And he laid out how, how he challenged his guys to catch 5,000 passes in the off season and, and what that uh, kind of did to set the tone for that, room which includes a lot of new guys too so um you know i think it's a lot of stuff like that it's it's uh it's always interesting i think too to to talk with guys who've now been around for a while i, I you know i enjoyed chatting with uh, omar manning the receiver who in some ways still kind of feels like a new guy i mean it does feels kind of like yesterday that he was the the highly touted juco prospect that nebraska brought in but he said uh, earlier this week he's like yeah i mean I've, i'm kind of one of the old guys in the room now i feel like an old guy uh, I, I want to pass on that experience to some of the next group of guys that come in. So I think you're seeing some of that too, where, uh, you, you know, guys that have moved on to the league or have graduated 
they've left a leadership void and, and seeing who fills those spots moving forward is always interesting. So I think that's part of where we are right now in this, um, you know, this spring uh, timeline. Evan, two part question as well. Uh, some of the things that I found that was interesting that I've been hearing uh, out of the staff, out of just just some of the notes that's been coming out of of the program during spring is that guys are really taking on leadership roles. So that was one of the things we've been talking about here on the block is uh, um, how are, who's going to step up and how are they going to create the culture that is needed and necessary being that more responsibility is, is being trans transitioned to the coaching staff, to those rooms and to those players, more responsibilities of, of taking onus of, of, of their, uh, their specific positions. And you, I hear, I hear that they're finding that. Is that the same thing that you're hearing? And also uh, who at pro day for you, did you think made some of the most impact, uh, the biggest impacts uh, that they had at pro day? Yeah, well, I'll answer the second one first. Uh, it was interesting. It's always interesting to go to pro day and see what guys can do. And, you know, in this case, Nebraska had four guys who already competed at the combine who didn't necessarily need to go all out guys like Austin Allen and Cam Jurgens and uh, Cam Taylor Britt and, and so on, but, and Jojo Doman. But to me, it was kind of that next wave of guys who, you know, this was their chance, right? They weren't invited to the combine. They didn't get that stage. And so what can they do when you have, in this case, 28 NFL teams show up and, um, you know, have their stopwatches and have their evaluators there taking notes. And so I was impressed with uh, Deontay Williams did a good job. You know, it's kind of funny. We think of him as, as an old guy. I mean, he's still only in his mid twenties. Um, and then he, he did a good job on his 40 time, showed some explosiveness. Uh, I'll tell you what, I was impressed with Damian Daniels. I mean, he, the defensive lineman who has been the nose, the nose tackle for Nebraska for a couple of years, looked as slim as I've ever seen him. And he said he, he weighed in at 302. That was as small as he's been since his sophomore year in high school, he said. I mean, he was 330 for his first couple of years at Nebraska. So you see some of these guys who have really reshaped their bodies and, and locked in on what they want to do at the next step. So I think those were, you know, a couple of guys who, who were pretty impressive. Um, and, you know, obviously you wish the best for those guys with the draft coming up next month. Uh, you know, to your other question about leadership, though, it's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of there's sort of a two pronged thing going on. I mean, there's always the, the there's always been the side of it where the guys who have been reserves or backups sort of slide into that next role. You know, I, I think about the defensive back room quite a bit, where you lose three starters, but Travis Fisher, the the assistant coach there, has set such a standard in that room that these other guys who are who are rising to the to the top levels already know what to expect. And so, you know, Fisher said it earlier this month. He's like, I don't have to do all that much work because these guys know the expectations. So, you know, guys like uh, I think Marquise Buford down the line can be a big leader. Um, you know, Miles Farmer this year is somebody who's probably going to step into a bigger role. Quentin Newsom certainly is a returning starter. So I think you see that's part of it is you see these these players who have been here sort of ascend naturally. But the other part, and this has come on because of the transfer portal, is – is sort of this free agent element, you know, that, that you see in the NFL where a guy signs somewhere and becomes a leader. I mean, that's sort of what we see in college football now. And the, the obvious example would be Casey Thompson, a quarterback. I mean, he's, he's uh, obviously ingratiated himself with his, with his line by taking them out to dinner the way he did a couple months ago. He keeps his receivers after practice and they run routes together. So I think there's, there's that other side of it too, where, 
you know, if you're a guy who's coming in here out of the portal, you don't have the luxury of waiting around for a couple of years. I mean, you have to come in and do it now. So I think they have a good mix of guys who have been here and then some of the other transfers who have come in that are going to take charge right away. And, of course, it's, it's interesting when you mention, the, you know, the NIL and, and Thompson, you kind of think of that. Um, and then today Adidas announces kind of a, a deal that they're doing with all their schools where, you know, basically all the athletes are going to get some sort of NIL deal. Do you expect to see that from the Nikes and the Under Armors and, and maybe Adidas is just out here in front, or do you think this is an advantage the you know, Nebraska and the Adidas schools might have? Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a copycat world, right? Like, if somebody does something that works, somebody else is going to do it too. So, yeah, if this thing – takes off for Adidas, then there's no reason why Nike or, or Under Armour or whoever else won't step up and do something too. I mean, this is this is the new arms race in college sports, right? Forever it was facilities and, um, you know, before that it was it was fan bases and things like that. And, and, and it's NIL now. How can you find that edge? How can you, uh, you know, generate that revenue that's going to make a top recruit consider your school? Because it's just, it's so hard to find a lot of separations between schools. If you're, if you're visiting around some of the top programs, I mean, everybody has uh, nice facilities. Everybody has, you know, television exposure. Everybody has at least decent academics. And so if you can separate yourself by, uh, you know, providing another opportunity to make some money in this case through um, being sort of an influencer with Adidas, then yeah, at least in the short term, that's something that you would think would help, Nebraska out and other Adidas schools and what's interesting to me is not just maybe the football side but how does that bleed over into some of the other sports I mean to me basketball is a natural uh, sport where somebody could really step in and be an influencer you know with your shoes or with your sneakers and you know maybe some other sports as well so just seeing the impact I think even beyond football will be fascinating. Yeah, it, it sure will. And one last question for you as we go to the natural, uh, the national landscape. Every other day it seems like there's an absolute bomb in the NFL being dropped, and today it was uh, Tyreek Hill being traded away from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. A lot of people looking at what that does for the Dolphins. Are, are, do you think that maybe this could take away, you know, in, at least a little bit from the Chiefs, certainly, but do you still see them as a, a you know, one of the top you know, two, three Super Bowl contenders even without Tyreek Hill? Uh, you know, as, as a Broncos fan, unfortunately, yes, I do still see the Chiefs <laughs> as a as a Super Bowl contender. To me, and, and I, I, you know, I'm not too terribly in depth on this, but to me, that signals um, sort of that transition for the Chiefs from Patrick, Patrick Mahomes as, as that rookie friendly contract over into a bigger cap hit. I mean, you you recall the, the huge deal he signed a couple years ago, and you see it all the time in the NFL. Is your your contender windows are at their widest when your best players are on rookie deals and you're able to spread that cap room elsewhere. I think this is an example of, of the Chiefs acknowledging, like, at some point you can't pay everybody. So, you know, Hill, his stock is high. They were able to get a first-round pick and, and some other draft capital back for him. Obviously, you still have Mahomes and a lot of other playmakers in that room. And so, you know, you have to you have to kind of give up something at some point. And, and as much as it probably hurts that organization, and certainly as much as it hurts the fans who have grown to love that connection between Mahomes and, and Tyree Kill, um, you know, the, the organization feels like in the long run, this is something that'll end up keeping them competitive. So again, if you, if you realize as a franchise that you can't pay the man, then you might as well get something in return and try to keep uh, building as long as you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes in his prime. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. We'll see. I mean, they, they were able to recover with uh, when they had to get rid of Kareem Hunt, so we'll see if they could do the same here with Tyreek Hill. But uh, that'll wrap it up with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald this week. Evan, thanks for your time and insight today. 
Thanks as always, guys. All right, there he goes. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it is time for our shootout with Strix segment. Your chance to win $15 to Buffalo or Buffalo Wings and Rings. All you have to do is beat Strick in our little game show here. Today it is going to be a little bit based on some of those NFL uh, teams that were involved in the trade today, Chiefs and Dolphins. So if you're a Dolphins fan, if you're a Chiefs fan, or if you just like the NFL, or it really doesn't matter. Again, sometimes you don't have to know too much. It's an either-or questions mostly. One open-ended question, um, but that one you can just take a guess at, and you have a chance to beat Strick. We had uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but we had the Yesterday, Strick went down, so Strick's looking for some revenge. It's Strick's Revenge Tour coming up next year. Give us a call, 402-464-5685. First one to do so can jump in line and have their chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. That's next here on The Block. Mm-hmm. 